0: Welcome to the 10-Minute MBA. I'm your host, Scott D. Clary. On the 10-Minute MBA, I give you tools, tactics, strategies, insights that you can use to start, scale, grow, or 10x your business. Today, your guest lecturer is Alan Gannett. He is the ex-CEO of TrackMaven. He is currently an angel investor. He is the author of The Creative Curve, and he is a Forbes 30 Under 30. He's going to teach you how to think about consumer trends When you are taking a product to market novelty versus innovation versus familiarity and how to best understand what actually resonates with your customer i hope you enjoy
1: one of the things i think really throws people for a loop is consumer trends like why are certain things popular when they're popular right like that really gets people like it feels really sort of squishy and intangible but the reality is we actually have all sorts of amazing sociology and psychology research that tells us exactly why consumer trends happen um, and like i'll give you an example sort of one of the most prominent forces it's um as humans we have these two sort of um urges i like to call them that we've developed over time one is that Our brain has realized, it's sort of coded, that things that we see that are familiar represent safety, right? So if, think about, you know, when you see your door for home, you're like, safe place. If you see a door that is the same physical door, but it's a place you've never been before, your brain's like, "Mm, what's behind that door? It could be potentially sort of risky. And so merely the fact that something's more familiar changes what we think about it. And so familiarity breeds this idea of safety. As a result, we also tend to fear things that are unfamiliar because we're like, what's there? So that's one urge we have. The other urge that's really important to understand with consumer trends is that we've also developed this um, novelty-seeking behavior, where when our brain sees something new, it gives it what's called a novelty bonus, which is basically this sort of like perceived benefit to that, where it's like, okay, that." piece of fruit that I've never seen before kind of looks like a weird strawberry. Oh, well, like I should try eating that because it might actually be delicious, right? It might be, you know, breakfast. Think about when people were hunter gatherers. So it's interesting. These two things are contradictions, right? Like literally I just told you like familiarity breeds safety, novelty breeds pursuit. That doesn't make sense. Like those, those are contradictions. Mm -hmm. What it is, is our brain really is constantly looking for things. Blend of the familiar and the novel. We like things that are fear enough to be safe, but yet novel enough to be new. So think about if you saw a berry when you were a hunter gatherer that was sort of like a weird strawberry, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to eat that. It's probably delicious. If you saw a berry that looked nothing like anything you've ever seen before, you might be like, uh, a little bit too much. Like it might be poisonous. I'm going to leave it be. And so as a result, what you find with consumer trends is that over and over again, there's all these studies that basically show that. The things that people like, things that have one foot in the familiar and one foot in the new. And so if you think, of, think about like Apple, I think Apple's a great example of this. Like Apple we think about as like sort of radical innovation. But actually, no, like that's not the story of Apple. If you look at uh, Apple in the 90s when they released their first tablet device, the Apple Newton, it was a spectacular failure. Uh, people were like, this is crazy. I don't want this. But then fast forward to today, the iPad, tablet, computer is like wildly successful. And you think about it, like getting to the point where the iPad would be adopted by consumers was actually very incremental, right? So like the iPad was an iPhone without a phone. The iPhone was an iPod with a phone. The iPod was a better MP3 player, right? So like if you actually look at a lot of creative success stories, which will tend to find is that the ones that are successful and adopted by consumers tend to be much more incremental than we realize because we have those two urges, that pursuit of the familiar and that pursuit of the novel that coexist.
0: I Really, that's, that's very insightful, um, and it makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm just wondering, for somebody who is bringing a new product to market, like you mentioned with, with Apple, the, the familiar and the novel do contradict. So how do you strike that balance when you're trying to, you know, go into a blue ocean? You don't have a reference point as a business. So, yeah, but- great question.
1: Um, and this is where a lot of entrepreneurs really get tricked because they build what is in their mind the most advanced or the best set of features, not actually the right thing to do. And in the book, I tell the story of um, Campus Network. Which was a social network started a month before Facebook at Columbia University by the student body president, um, went viral on Columbia's campus. Um, the co-founders of it took off, um, much like the Facebook co-founders did in order to focus on it. Uh, for a while it was growing. And what's interesting is campus network obviously did not work, right? We are not talking about, you know, um, Adam and Wayne who started it, We're talking about Mark Zuckerberg. And what's interesting though is that Campus network actually had dramatically more features. And a lot of features which much later, Facebook would have and lead to a lot of success. The activity feed, groups, events, a lot of these things they had years before Facebook. Years. And what's interesting is if you go back and you talk to the people who were involved in this, like I interviewed um, the folks from Campus Network and all stuff, it's like one of the things they point out is that one of the reasons Facebook won was that it was like incredibly simple. And so, you know, people at the time were using screen names and pseudonyms online. So, like, the amount of novelty they were willing to have was like just having their real name and photo in a directory, which is what Facebook started as, right? Like, that was enough. The idea that you're also going to have all this other stuff out about you was like not no, like that was not something people were comfortable with. And you saw this where Facebook very slowly over time added more and more public um, features. Then made you more public as we, as consumers, became more comfortable with it. And I think it's just a really great example when it comes to technology businesses of it's so easy as a technology business to build the best features from a technical perspective or from a sort of meta—I don't know, like a first principles perspective. Mm-hmm. But like your job is not to just create something that has the most bells and whistles, but it's actually something that customers want to use. And so I think that's really important. This is why with the blue ocean. I think the thing that's important is usually start with either a wedge or a metaphor, right? Start with a much smaller feature set that people are ready for and over time expand or start with sort of like a metaphor or where you're doing something that um, maybe in a new space, but it's a familiar process and is letting you eventually grow into that blue ocean. But you can't just go and build the blue ocean. No one will want it.
0: Anyways, that's it for today. I hope you got some value out of Alan's advice on better understanding consumer trends, better understanding your customers. Remember, any business questions you have, don't worry, I got you. This has been another 10-Minute MBA. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow.